0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Once a month, I like to do an Ask Me Anything episode on the podcast, but something I've been noticing lately is you guys are submitting questions via Instagram or in the reviews and want me to answer them. And sometimes I just don't want to wait until my next Ask Me Anything. So I'm going to start answering a few of these in the intro before we begin the episode, just so I don't have to keep you guys waiting a month on some of these really great questions. One that I got this week from someone named Elena was, do you think you need to love every job that you have? And what do you think about the relationship between hard work and sacrifice? I do not think that you have to love every job you have. I think that's a very idealistic kind of fantasy world thing that we're all taught to believe that, you know, every single job we're going to love and be super passionate about. There were a lot of jobs that I had before my current job, which I obviously love, that were so not the right fit for me. And I'm not going to say that, you know, hating a job that you're in for a long term Is the healthiest thing in the world. I think that if you are in a job that is causing you a lot of grief and you're not feeling it and it's a toxic situation, I definitely say get out to that situation. But there were so many jobs that I had that were really crucial for me in learning more about myself because they weren't this like perfect rosy vision of what I thought I was gonna have for myself. Something I say about jobs is I feel like everyone kind of chips away at the statue of yourself until you find your thing. I always say that each job to me feels like I'm chipping away at like the sculpture of myself. And when I finally hit it, I'm like at my essence or like my core of my statue. But that means you have to chip away at things that you might not like. So I do think that it's not necessary to love every job. I do think that sometimes there's sacrifice to get to things that we absolutely love. And if we didn't go through hard things or didn't go through things that we don't necessarily love, how are we going to finally pin down the thing that we absolutely love? So if you are going through a work situation right now that you don't love, I'm really sorry. But I do think that there are lessons to be learned in all experiences. And I think if you can sit down and really take note of what's working and what's not for you that's going to be the best lesson that you can take away from it so you can be the best version of yourself when you move on from it. So if you ever want to submit questions that are not during the Ask Me Anything episodes, please feel free to do it. Leave them in the reviews. I will answer them in the intro of the episodes. Thank you guys again for always trusting me with these really great work questions. I really appreciate it. Anyways, today's episode was such a doozy to record for me because I got to sit down with someone who is no one short of an absolute icon but also someone who played such an integral role into my career today. Little fun fact, Jenna Lyons is truly the reason that I got into fashion. I remember being younger and seeing her photos in magazines and in street style, and I was just fixated on her perspective on personal style. It was so different and it really defied what, you know, we knew as the quote unquote fashion norm. It was a blend of highs and lows. Some of my favorite looks of hers, a scaparelli skirt with a button down top, or even what she wore to the Met Gala one year, a feather skirt paired with a J. Crew denim shirt. It really just made you feel like, hey, if you love it, wear it. And I feel like that has truly been the ethos of the foundation of what I love to wear and also what I love to share on my platforms. So needless to say, this was a major bucket list moment. For those of you who are just meeting jenna jenna is one of the most recognizable faces in fashion she started at j crew as an assistant and blazed her way through to the top building a 27 year career that made her the face of the brand and dubbed her the woman who dressed america by the new york times since leaving j crew she's founded love scene an eyelash extension company that is absolutely killer if you guys don't have them get them they are a major upgrade to your beauty routine And she's about to grace our television screens as a newly announced member of the next season of The Real Housewives of New York City. In this episode, Jenna and I talk about what it was like redefining beauty, her thoughts on the fashion industry today, and her unexpected new chapter. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. And as I mentioned before, if there are questions you guys have, leave them in the reviews and I'll get them into the episodes. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing week ahead, everyone. Here's my conversation with my friend, Jenna Lyons. Hey, Jenna Lyons. (laughs) Hi, Olivia. How are you? I'm actually good. I mean, we're not going to get into it because we're not allowed. Sorry, everyone. But you've had quite a week.
0: I have. (laughs) That's sort of an understatement, much more so than I ever expected.
1: How are you feeling?
0: Good. I mean, you know, I've had a wonderful response, so that feels great, obviously. Yeah. You know, that's obviously the biggest concern, and people have just been coming out of the woodworks, and people I haven't heard from in years <laughs> reaching out, and that's been really nice.
1: Oh, it's like a bad birthday. Yeah, me, kind Yeah. Of. <laughs> people, I have a friend who will always ask me every year, she will say, who is the weirdest person that you heard from today? And I'm always like, "Oh, why do I have to even that's think a good about question. that? question. It is, because, you know, sometimes people come out of the woodwork. And an old boyfriend. <laughs> Like, you know, an old business partner that now wants to just, you know, remind you of their presence. People who are like, I was in a meeting with
0: you years ago and I was like,
1: (gasps) you're like, oh, got it. I don't remember that. but Okay, thanks. Hi. (laughs) Well, it was really nice to see you post the video that you did of such great feedback because Mm -hmm. I think that there can always be, especially with anything reality driven, the fandom is huge. Yes. And so it's really it was nice to see that you got just some unwavering support.
0: People have been really amazing. So, yes, I'm super grateful because there's no question. And it doesn't matter what you do. I think what's interesting to me and no joke is that, you know, out of the two or three comments that I got that were maybe not so pleasant, there are people with like zero followers and no profile and private. They're they're bots. Wow. Like,
1: yeah, they're bots. Are they? That's what I really believe. Like, if, you, if it is an account with zero followers, zero posts, it's a bot. What are you? What is but it? So what, or it's just an account out that someone uses to troll, which I find to be really...
0: Well, and it's what's a weird, the purpose to take you down? Like, I don't understand.
1: I've never understood that either. Like, do do people just create separate accounts so that no one can trace it back to them? But if you really wanted to, you could because you could find their IP or email address.
0: Well, and also I think Instagram now does that thing where they link anyone who's a – Exactly. Which I think is brilliant.
1: Right. Because you can find out who's being an asshole to you. Yes. Love that. Love that. This feels like a very obvious new era for you. Is there something about this new chapter that you're really excited about?
0: I mean, I think – the thing that's most exciting for me, just in general with my life, is that, you know, I I worked at one place for 27 years. And while that came with a ton of security, you know, knowing where my paycheck was coming from, knowing what my health benefits were, knowing, you know, what vacation time I had, I also had not a lot of mystery and, and, you know, spontaneity and surprises. And my life in the past five years has been full of things I've never done before, things that scare the shit out of me, you know, and that's pretty remarkable to be able to have that opportunity after having a really full career to to try new things that I've never done before and to to be scared. It's kind of good.
1: So yesterday there was something that I saw on Instagram that I loved. It was a quote. I don't know who it was by, but it was comparing life to pond and most people stand at the edge of the pond and look into the pond and are curious and want to jump in and they you know slip their foot in every once in a while but the best people jump in the pond and just figure out what to do once they're in there and it sounds like that has been the most rewarding experience for you I mean, jumping I, in the pond I don't know if I,
0: you know listen i I understand people who don't want to jump in the pond right. and I fully appreciate it may not be for you I think that what I appreciate is like I prefer to hear feedback from people who are in, it's like if you're putting yourself out there, your life is sort of, is public, you are taking risks and you're putting yourself in the public sphere, then I'm much more apt to hear your feedback than for someone who's not because you just cannot understand what it's like until you actually have experienced it. And so I am totally cool if you wanna stand on the sidelines. I have no problem with that, it is not for everyone. However, before you take a crack, why do you think about like how hard it might be or what somebody might be going through? Because I think people can be very cruel and, and unwittingly or wittingly, you know, really hurt people. And it's not, I'm not into it.
1: We'll be back after the break. Is there anything better than a really good pair of PJs? I don't think so. Which is why I love Printfresh. It's a woman-owned luxury sleepwear and lifestyle brand made for the lovers of pattern and seekers of the whimsical. They recently launched their Print Fresh Holiday Shop, a curated collection of cozy must-have gifts for making spirits bright. Created by textile designer and fashion entrepreneur Amy Velotion, festive-inspired prints are brought to life on organic cotton loungewear and statement-making home decor that is full of personality. I know about you guys, but you guys know I love a big print. I love lots of color. And the last thing I need is a simple white PJ. So I love being able to put these on. They're really fun, super festive, and I feel like there's something for any personality. Whether you're shopping for your family, friends, or partner, give the gift of comfort and joy and shop early for the perfect printed present. With sizes from extra small to 6X, free exchanges and all new accessories, holiday shopping has been made effortless. A really good present from Printfresh is a perfect robe. They have so many good ones, and you're going to be sure to find something for anyone in the family. Warm wishes and even cozier sleepwear are ahead. The perfect fun and festive style is a click away, so be sure to explore the Printfresh holiday shop today. Go to printfresh.com backslash friend or use code friend for 15% off your first order. See what's in store for the season and snag your gift early. Head to printfresh.com backslash friend or use code friend for 15% off your first order printfresh.com backslash friend, code friend for 15% off your first order. Let's get back to the show. So I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't talk about your not only massive impact on fashion, but major impact on me. This has been something that I've really been looking forward to because you quite literally are the reason that I got into fashion. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. My sister Mm. went to Otis. Uh, She was in design. No way. Yeah. She was a beautiful, beautiful illustrator. And when really? I was younger, she obviously influenced me so much with fashion, and I remember her turning me on to you, and it was just such a a moment for me of mm-hmm. discovering my fashion. So you were so inspiring to me, and well, thank still you. are. Thank Your you. fashion sense to me has thank just you. been so grounding for me in thank my you. own exploration.
0: That's like the nicest compliment <laughs> I have, like No, seriously, it means a lot. I think the one thing that i always wanted and the thing the reason that i went into fashion was because i felt on the outside and i didn't feel comfortable and i think that i felt like fashion was sort of so detached from the life that i led right. and so the fact that you're telling me that it made you feel welcome and feel like you wanted to experiment and try is amazing like that's what it's about
1: yes it was absolutely that you do have such a unique sense of style and i'd love to hear a little bit about what that experience was for you in finding your identity especially as a fashion figure The glasses, like there's just, there are such unique identifiers about you that I think are so special and not a lot of people can achieve that.
0: Thank you. I mean, I, the glasses were kind of an accident, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I, it's, it is funny that they became such a signature only because as I said, like it happened sort of by accident. My reading, I started to need glasses for reading. And the problem with that is that in the office, I was constantly taking them on and off because the way that we are currently with a phone I was, I did not want to make my type bigger because when you make your type bigger, your eyes start, stop working harder. And so I was like, is that true? It, it I mean, now at my age, it's probably not true anymore. <laughs> but when you're younger, yes. If you, if you let your eyes like not do any work, they yeah. won't work. And so it, it is important to not go too far and let your eyes just sort of like give up. Right. And so I was really steadfast. Also, I didn't want anybody reading when I was writing. And so I, you know, I would be walking around the office with my phone in my hand win my reading glasses, but then I would look up to walk up the stairs, and I kept falling up the stairs because I had on reading glasses. And, like, you couldn't, see I yeah. was miss, missing, the, <laughs> so falling up, like, <laughs> falling <laughs> up and then going down. And I was like, that's not cheek. And then, you know, I would get into a cab. I want to look outside. I'd take them off. I'd leave them in the cab. I was, like, $2,000 into glasses. I'm like, something has to change. And so I got progressive so that I could have nothing on the top and a reading glasses on the bottom. And so what happened was I started wearing them all the time so I wouldn't mm. lose them and I didn't have to take them off. And just that mere fact. And so I was, you know, finding that I looked better in, like, stronger, bigger black glasses. I also have no eyebrows and no eyelashes. So I kind of need a little. So it was kind of an accident. It wasn't an intentional, like, calculated thing. But they've become, I don't know, which it works for me because I can also hide behind them
1: a little bit. Yes. I love that.
0: Yeah. Same.
1: I, when I was in college, I did my senior thesis on this idea of, and this was, like, right before social media really became like, what it is now. Mm -hmm. We were just kind of... We we were still using Instagram for fun. But I did my thesis on this idea of self-fashioning yourself to become whoever it is that you want to be. Mm -hmm. And you are one of the most identifiable people in fashion. And I'd love to hear about finding your fashion sense and and a little bit about how you became drawn to it.
0: I mean, this is... I know this is going to sound strange, but so much of what happened for me happened out of, like... uh, not, it was not strategic. It was, it was oftentimes because of issues that I have. So for instance, I am six feet tall. Women's clothes often don't fit me very well. Everything is way too short. So the pants are too short. The sleeves are too short every time. So what happened was I was constantly wearing like men's trousers because they were long enough. On the flip side of that, I can't wear short skirts or anything because I have a genetic disorder. My skin is not that attractive and you really see it in pictures. I remember the very first time I went to an, a red carpet event and I was wearing like a tank dress and I saw myself and I was like never doing that again. So I've never worn anything that shows any skin. And so through that, I sort of had to find things that worked for me, that looked good on me. And like, I can't wear, I can't wear some things. Like I can wear high-waisted pants that are really long. Some people can't if they're a little. I, it works on me. Yeah. But they, it looks more dramatic. And so oftentimes the things that, work for me are things that are more dramatic because I'm I'm tall and and so it was I know I think everyone thinks it was you know strategic it sort of wasn't and then the flip side of that is just like I like opposites like I hate things that match I I don't like things that work together I don't like things that are pretty unless there's something u- not ugly but like if there's something sequin which falls into the pretty category then like there has to be like something masculine or opposite. And so I constantly was looking for that opposite. I grew up in California and my mother was from New Jersey. My grandmother grew up on the East Coast and she used to send me like kilts and stuff to California. And I was like, this is so cool. But I was wearing them with my surf t-shirts and that became a little, this is what I had. And so it became a little bit of how, where that mashup started for me. And then it just kept going and I never really looked back.
1: To me, some of your most iconic moments have been those high-low moments. Like, off the bat, I think of the feather skirt and denim button-down, which I think redefined fashion for an entire era. And, you know, it was interesting in learning more about you. I've heard you talk a lot about the idea of beauty and how when you were younger, you didn't necessarily feel quote-unquote beautiful. But your style completely defied the, what was normal for the time. How did you kind of find beauty through what you were wearing in a way that made you feel good about yourself?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think first of all, being in New York helps. I think, you know, I I, I didn't get whistled at by a man until I moved to New York. So I didn't move to New York until I was 18. I never got any attention from boys at all. And I think what's unique about New York is that here you can be anyone. You can, there's so much more appreciation for beauty and that spectrum is so much wider than it where I grew up. so that was, you know, interesting to me. I also found that the more I tried to fit into a mold of what other people looked like and, you know, as I had when I was in California, I, when I came to New York, I had bleach blonde hair and I was really tan. And
1: you I, were a literal West Coast oh, person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, had want, I wanted
0: to get a boob job. <laughs> Thank God I didn't. But, you know, there was all these things that I had wanted or thought were the beauty, was, was beauty iconography that, didn't really work for me, but I kept right. trying to mold myself into that. And the more I pushed into the things that I felt comfortable with and that made me feel good in my skin, the better response I got. And so it was sort of like eking closer to that and trying to get more comfortable. I was constantly trying to force myself into things that didn't make sense for me. And I did it for a really long time. You know, even when I first started J. Crew, as much as my high-low thing had already started, I still had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and, you know, it evolved over time. It's it's still evolving.
1: I think that's the most liberating part about finally feeling yourself in what you're wearing is finding those moments that work for you and might not work in popular culture or right. in the zeitgeist of fashion. Yeah. It's putting on that thing and saying, oh, I think this is, this is my look.
0: Totally. I mean, the slicked back hair, which I did for a really long time, honestly came because when I had a child... had my hair down. I had only worn my hair down prior. And he was constantly when I was breastfeeding, he was constantly pulling on my hair and Ah. pulling it. And it was painful. And I was like, I just started putting it up. And then I remember I was I, I did not have time to do my hair for a photo shoot. I slicked it back and put on my glasses and put on a red lip because I was so late. I didn't have anything else to do. And I remember those photographs from that night. I was like, I actually liked them. Like, I thought I looked nice and I looked Happy and bright, and all I did was put on red lipstick and had my hair slicked back. And so that was again just a moment where, out of out of necessity, I tried something, and it became I never would have done that before because to me, I always thought what people wanted to see was like beach waves and you know a pretty girl. Like I didn't I didn't, I thought that slicked back hair with a red lip and glasses was going to be too harsh, and it and it wasn't until I actually did it sort of by accident that I realized that it it worked and I got a lot of, you know, sort of happy accolades around that. And that was kind of a surprise to me. So again, like, none of it's been strategic.
1: Out of necessity, an icon is born.
0: <laughs> Have at it, people.
1: Have at it, guys. I do love that, though, because I think, you know, today we try to dissect every bit of people's careers and understand every yeah. step. And I under, I deeply understand that as someone who has not only done it myself, but also as someone who has this show where people are constantly asking me, asking me, how do you do it? Yeah. So I, I understand the urge for it, but I really do think the most iconic people or people that feel most inspiring culturally today are people who have found something that is not instinctively themselves that no one else can duplicate and that's become what they share with the world.
0: I think that's so true. I also think when you are comfortable in your skin, you are comfortable in your skin. Right. Your confidence shows. When you are not comfortable in your skin, your confidence suffers. And without confidence, there's just... There, there's no inroad. It is, it is an immediate, like it can take you down so much of you know your ability to function as an inside job. It has nothing to do with anyone around you. And when your confidence is shifted or not strong, it's it can be devastating. And so I think that was what it was sort of interesting is watching something organically happen. It helped build my confidence slowly. It wasn't an overnight thing, but it happened on a slow at a slow pace for me. And so it felt authentic. I didn't feel like I was manufacturing it. And I gradually got more and more, you know, comfortable. It made me more confident in my decisions. And and I think for the job that I had at the time, it was imperative that I had confidence because everyone needed to believe that I had the answer, whether I did or not.
1: (laughs) Fake it till you make it. For sure. (laughs) We'll be back after the break. As the seasons begin to change, I always have a really hard time with my skin. A lot of you know, I talk about this all the time, my face skin is super oily, but my body skin is so dry. So I am always on the hunt for a good moisturizer. And I found one recently that is so different than anything I've ever tried and has been a game changer in my routine. In case you missed it, we had the founder, Kate McLeod, on an episode of the podcast a few episodes ago. So check it out because she is such a trailblazer. She created something called the Body Stone. It's a solid body moisturizer that glides on like silk and nourishes dry skin, leaving your skin visibly soft, supple, and glowing. I have never had more compliments on my skin. It's the greatest feeling in the world. The waterless formula is concentrated with power, natural ingredients for results that you can see and feel. And a little goes a long way, which I love. All you need is a few swipes for long lasting moisture. By removing water from its formulas, Kate McCloud is able to create sustainable packaging reduce its carbon footprint, and avoid some of the biggest culprits of waste in the beauty industry. All things that she is so passionate about, which is why she is the founder I truly admire. The body stone uses an innovative refill system as well that is completely plastic-free. You can purchase a starter kit and refill over time with your favorite Kate McLeod body stones. When used regularly, the Body Stone provides a welcome moment of self-care in even the busiest of lifestyles. I feel like in the past, I used to always hold those showers where you do everything and do all the moisturizer, maybe once or twice a week. But now it's something that I do every other day. It's a moment for me to unwind after a busy day, and it's truly become a highlight of my routine. It feels like everyday magic. From a magical application to sustainable packaging, the Body Stone is luxury redefined. So treat yourself to a moment of self-care. Use code FRIEND at checkout for 20% off your first purchase at katemccloud.com. Let's get back to the show. I could write an essay about (laughs) how I feel fashion and confidence are so deeply intertwined. I felt like I was a very confident person in my teens, and it was during that time where I was having a massive fashion exploration. I was wearing the most out-there things, and I loved it. And I, I, to this day, feel like putting on something that I love and, and feel good in can change my whole oh, day.
0: for sure. I remember really distinctly, a woman wrote me a letter years ago. She was a doctor, a research scientist, and she was giving a talk to hundreds of men about her subject that she had, had been doing research on. And she had gone the previous day to a J. Crew store and gotten this whole outfit. And on her way up to the podium, she was incredibly nervous. And many people on the way up the podium said, wow, you look spectacular. And And again, I don't it's not about being it's uh, some people might think that's shallow. But the fact of the matter is it made her feel strong when she got up there. She felt like, okay, I don't have to worry. I look good. Now I can get on with the rest of it as opposed to having you get taken out by like, do people think I'm going to look like that? That goes away. And as soon as that goes away, you can focus on what's important. And she was really grateful about the experience and wrote me this incredible letter. And it was like it was touching for me because that's the whole point. Like that's the reason to make clothes is to make people feel good.
1: The dichotomy of this conversation is so interesting to me because I will never forget this. I probably sound like a weird super fan at this point. You but You sound really weird. In, in, I believe it was 2013, I remember the New York Times came out with an article. Yes. And I'll never forget it. It was Jenna Lyons, the woman who dresses America. Yes,
0: that's followed me everywhere in a nice way.
1: In a great way. Yes. Because I think that, head, as a journalist myself, that headline was just so strong. And it, it really meant a lot to the women of America And it's interesting to hear what you're saying now about feeling this almost lack of confidence that you almost had to fake it till you make it, redefining your idea of beauty during that time, but also simultaneously defining beauty for an entire nation. What at that time were you inspired by? What were you seeing as beautiful?
0: I mean, first of all, I think you're giving me a lot more credit than I deserve. And I and <laughs> I, I
1: think that is false. And I think that
0: <laughs> I, I cannot stress enough how I say this all the time. And especially when I'm, you know, in an article, sometimes it doesn't get printed. But I had an opportunity to work with some of the most creative people. And there is there is no one I, I don't get, I can't get, take credit for all of the positive nor the negative. I, it is an ecosystem and creativity does not exist in a vacuum. And. Every single accolade or credit I've been given does not come without a massively incred- like incredible talented team. I think the the best thing I ever learned was to hire people who are smarter and more talented than you are. And the reason is you can't do it all. And so I'm. I feel really grateful. I think that, you know, the thing that was interesting, the thing that I loved, and I think we all shared this, was like wanting something to feel off, wanting that sense of imperfection and that, there was not a guy that we were not aiming for perfection at all. Mm. I think, if anything, we were aiming for the opposite. It was why you know things were half. There was a half tuck. The sleeve was rolled specifically. Yes. There was. It was about. It was about a nonchalance, and it was not about a prescribed, like really procured beauty. It was about a natural sexiness and a natural beauty. And and you know, I as, as diverse. I, it was not a diverse enough, in my opinion. We certainly tried. I think it was very hard. You know it was very challenging in terms of just bringing the diversity to the company and because you know the way that we were had access to models there was a whole there's a whole story behind that but i think it is um it was really nice to be able to to i you know share something that i don't think looked exactly like everything else we also had this incredible vehicle which was this 200 page catalog that we got to every month show i miss the
1: catalog days me
0: too i loved that catalog <laughs> so much me too you know i think being able to do that every month. Put out, you know, hundreds of images of what we were trying to share with people, but in uniquely we were showing the same chino and the same denim jacket, but we were just showing in a different way. So it allows us allowed us to really experiment and, you know, hopefully give people different options in the way that they could they could participate and didn't have to look the same all the time.
1: It was super interesting this season. The Bottega Veneta runway was so pared down mm-hmm. and. The design. I was reading the show notes, and the designer was influenced by what he thought women around the world wanted to dress like today. And it was interesting because there were kind of hints of J. Crew moments: <laughs> a plaid button-down, a really good jean, a great tee. And you know, this is 20 years later. What do you think you got right about that time?
0: I mean, I think it, J. Crew didn't. This is where I think it gets tricky. And I think because we had this incredible catalog and this massive marketing tool, we got credit for things like chinos and jeans and flannel shirts were ubiquitous. Landon right. was doing them. L.L. was doing them. They were they had existed. I think what was different was the fact that we might pair them with a sparkly shoe or pearls. or It was about the way that things were mixed together and the juxtaposition of things right. and getting people to take their minds out of, oh, a flannel shirt is only for wearing when you're chopping down a tree. Like, you can wear a flannel shirt <laughs> yes. with leather pants and a heel and a pearl if you want. And that is a n- different way to think about it. And you can, there's not that sort of strict form of, so it, it was as much about styling, I think, as it was about the items themselves. And, you know, I think that was amazing because we, like, like I said, we had this massive catalog to, to shift the the concept every month. And so we were able to really show that to people. And, you know, that's what's so hard now you don't get to see that. Like I go on to, you know, net a or Matches Fashion or My Teresa and, you know, I love to look at outfits. It's just without magazines and, you know, but these websites, they don't have as much. It's harder to kind of flip through and just get inspired. And I, I like seeing, oh, I wouldn't have thought of putting that jacket with that pant or I love the proportion of that little tiny sweater with that giant pant. When they're alone, I don't know if I would buy that giant pant or that little tiny sweater. But as soon as you put them together, you're all of a sudden like, that's interesting. And, So we had this massive vehicle to allow us to really surprise people and show that same tiny little sweater they'd seen 15 times with a new idea. Well,
1: I like what you said about the, you know, checkered shirt, not having to be wearing it while you're chopping down a tree. You know, Um, I think that you, it was all about breaking the rules. And I think before that, we felt like we had a very strict set of rules.
0: I think the most incredible design often comes with restraint. And I think, you know, particularly I do a lot of interiors these days and,
1: what? Oh, we know, guys. Go see her house on, on A.D. It's insane.
0: <laughs> Thank you. But what's interesting is that the more options you have, and I've been doing other people's, the more options you have, it, it, the harder it is to, to proceed. Like, if you keep the constraints on what you're designing tight, it makes you, it forces you to be creative. And it, I think it was a similar thing with J. Crew. It's like, I knew, we knew that we had to work with that same jean jacket that we worked with last month when we got down to the floor. We had had to restyle that chino. I'd already seen it 10 times. Mm. Okay, so what are we going to do this time? So, well, maybe the chino is going to be, maybe we'll do like a safari story and we'll do all khaki this time. Next month, we'll do khaki in black. And the month after that, we'll do khaki with eyelet. You know, it's like there's ways that you start to think about, okay, well, how do I reinvent this thing? It's already in your closet. So great. You already own that. Well, here's how we're going to show it again in a different way. And we were forced to do that. And so it, it really does help creativity. Good news is, as a customer, it allows you to not have to buy a whole new outfit every time you see a look. It's like, oh, you can still play. And you don't have to completely, you can buy the whole outfit if you want. But you also can just pick a piece and allow yourself to kind of intermix. And one, you know, eyelet might not be for you, but maybe the safari look is for you. And so we're not sort of dictating, oh, there's one style for you. There's one style that we're going to create. We're saying you can kind of pick your like pick your poison, whatever you want. Like it's it's your call What works for you. And what I felt when I felt the most successful was my mother was a piano teacher. And I remember one time, (laughs) true story, I went home and my mother was wearing a sweater. I was wearing the exact same sweater.
1: (laughs) and her
0: student was wearing the exact same sweater there you go and we were all wearing it totally differently and I was like that's when you hit it when you are actually able to let three different generations people with different senses of style say like oh I can play that's for me that's where the magic happens and that's you know even when we were creating love scene that was an important piece of it it's like how do you make sure that people don't feel excluded they need to feel like they can be a part and that's super important
1: I love that, especially for an industry that's notoriously not very inclusive.
0: I mean, it came from not feeling included when I was a kid. (laughs) Like, all it takes is being the last one picked at the dance to feel like, okay, I want to, you know, reach across the table. It's not, that is not a, it all comes from, like, experience and, and, and sometimes
1: hardship, you know. We'll be back after the break. Are you feeling stuck at your current job? Or maybe you don't really love your job like we talked about at the beginning of today's episode. Or maybe it's too big of a risk to make a change. Well, so many of us have felt that way. I've felt that way dozens of times, but that's why I want to tell you about Sabio. It's a female owned and operated coding bootcamp and developer community where you'll learn to code and gain real life experience. Plus the thing I love about it the most is that finding a job is built into the program. You won't need to feel intimidated by starting a job search in a completely new field. Don't see a downside here. In just 17 weeks of remote learning, you'll graduate from Sabio ready to start a real high paying tech job. They've been voted best coding bootcamp by course report five years in a row, and there's a reason. They have alumni working at notable companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and more. And there are so many types of tech jobs you can go into, like user experience designer, marketing specialist, and even social media tech jobs. Plus, Sabio is extremely affordable. They even offer a women in tech scholarship with $5,500 off of the total cost of tuition. There are so many opportunities for women in tech right now, and it is the perfect time to break into the industry with Sabio. Visit my special URL, sabio.la backslash friend, to learn how you can qualify for the $5,500 Women in Tech Scholarship. That's sabio.la slash friend. Don't wait. Go to sabio.la slash friend today to learn more. sabio.la slash friend. Let's get back to the show. It was actually really interesting hearing what you were just saying, because I feel that one of my pain points with fashion right now is that there's just too much.
0: I could not agree more.
1: I can't, I can't find things the way that I used to, you know, I'll work with different retailers and I'll go on their sites and I'll be scrolling I know. for hours and I know. maybe find a thing or two that I love and not really see things styled in a way that I'm inspired by or, or feel, it's funny. There was one time recently, actually, I was, on a retailer site and I was, you know, shopping for things to work on a project with them. And I went to my cart and I realized that I had picked four things that were all incredibly similar. I know. (laughs) And also four things that I'd also already had in my closet. Of course. Of course. And I was so frustrated (laughs) because I just feel sometimes this lack of a spark. Yeah. This lack of feeling that there's something different. So I would love to hear your thoughts on the industry today as someone who is Used to working with restraints. I
0: mean, I think I think it's the reason. I mean, listen, the world that I came up in and grew up in, with in terms of fashion, is, is the landscape does not exist. It's like literally like Mad Max. It's gone. Like,
1: <laughs> it's barren, obliterated,
0: it's gone. And you know, I feel like people are like riding around like on a you know on a jeep. And like I, I think it's so different. The, the there's two things about it that I love. What I love like being a retailer. It was our responsibility to try and reach everyone. Meaning. As I was mentioning before, like we, needed, we wanted to show you that Chino, but we wanted to make sure we included the person who wanted to dress in all khaki and wanted something a little quieter and a little bit more. So we'll just say a little bit more sort of minimalistic. And okay. then if somebody who wanted a little bit more of a flirty look, so maybe they might like the eyelet. And that was us trying to really create and make sure that people felt brought in. What I love about it now is that, and it, it's also hard, is if you find so-and-so online and you love their style well then you can watch what they wear and you can see where they shop and I've done that I've you know Alona Hammer is a stylist who I really love and I think love too. yeah she's fantastic and it's like fantastic. I'll go on her and I'll see like she will have something and I'll see what she's wearing and I'm like oh I've never heard of that store and I'll go and look at it and so well while you may have come to J. Crew to shop now all of a sudden I'm finding things that I never would have found before you know I and that's nice it's also harder you know, I think it's, and I think the retailers having seen that are, are getting smarter and they have started to really collaborate with people who are out there in the world, putting the clothes together because then they don't have to have 8 million stylists doing 8 million photo shoots themselves. And what's nice is that for you or for me, seeing it on a real person and not a model that I think has been retouched. I know it's just gone on somebody's Instagram. I actually feel more confidence in that. So I do think that, while it's harder from a retail standpoint and from a retailer standpoint, it's more I think it's the the world is sort of opened up in terms of finding your style, finding your beauty. Both things are really available, you know, and I think that's amazing. I mean, especially when you think about the beauty world, like you could be an Asian woman, a really dark skinned black woman. You could be an Indian woman. Have you, you can find somebody who looks just like you and watch their beauty looks as opposed to the push down method of some particular brand showing you a light, medium, and dark. Like, they may not really look like you. And now you can find somebody who not only looks like you in skin tone, but you can also find someone who has the same, like, you may want really dramatic makeup, or you may want something really clean. That's pretty remarkable. That just didn't exist.
1: But I do really appreciate what you just said about fashion kind of in an era of uniqueness right now. I think while, yes, we have so much in just, like, the landscape of fashion. Like, it's just constant excess in my mind. I do find... There was an era of fashion, just like logomania all yeah. the time, that I hated because I felt that it forced everybody to, to become ubiquitous and, like, part of a whole. Like, if you weren't wearing head-to-toe Fendi and the Fendi logo was all over you, yeah. you weren't fashionable. I think and I hated that. Because I think there's still people who buy into that. There are definitely still people who buy into that. But I'm, I feel as though... You know, between Depop and Poshmark, a lot of old is coming back into new. It's Mm -hmm. creating a lot of moments for originality and personal style. And I'm excited about that. I think, and especially, it's funny. We went from like, you know, J Crew, Logomania. Now we're finding somewhere in the middle. I
0: I think you're right. I think it is, you know, I think it's also as we see people who are, you know, fall into the influencer category. And when I say category, I just mean like they have, they have gotten influenced by actually sharing with people what they love and, and listen I did not grow up with that world it did not happen it's an interesting concept and it's been really fascinating to watch it evolve because it's I mean it's just kind of incredible but what's really amazing to me is when it crossed over and you know you, you started to see these influencers you know be front row at a Louis Vuitton show it's like that's pretty cool like yeah you know and I think at the beginning people were not into it and I know that a lot of people in the fashion industry were like sort of turn their nose up. And, and I understand why. I mean, obviously, you know, at the same time, I think things feeling more open and people being more welcomed and I think is really Agree. amazing. And I think it's fun to have a bird's eye view into what goes on. I think it's inspiring.
1: You mentioned a bird's eye view, which I feel like you're in a, a cool moment of new perspectives right now. You are an interior design aficionado. I'm really excited to see that. You're the founder of Love Scene you've stepped away from fashion a little bit. You're working on a lot of it. I don't know. You're still the most fashionable person I know. Oh, thanks. But with all these new perspectives, what does life look like for you right now? How has taking a step away from fashion kind of given you a new perspective?
0: I mean, I, I, I honestly wish I had done it sooner. I
1: Mm.
0: can't tell you how refreshing it's been. I don't, anyone who works in fashion knows it. It is a, an insane churn there is a con- constant need for newness there's a constant need for the next there was no at no point in my career was I not working on I was always working on four seasons at once we were planning oh, the following years that. you know color and concept for the next season we were designing and putting into work the, the season that was in current we were fitting and getting approvals for the other for the you know fall and then we were actually shooting but like it, we were had constant and this was for j crew made in factory so I had Four seasons going on for three different brands. So it was just literally like a churn and burn. It was constant. And there wasn't a lot of time to breathe. And I remember when I left, it was the first time that I had a time like to actually really dream and breathe a little bit. And I I feel more inspired than I, I think it was hard at the end. I was really exhausted and I didn't really have a, t- a lot of time to stop. And I think I really underestimated the value of like quiet time. And I, I didn't appreciate, you know, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate or think that I needed to meditate. I didn't think I needed to take time for like I just didn't, I didn't get it. And I honestly, it's a little pathetic considering how old I was, (laughs) but I really needed to stop. And I am so much happier now. I feel like I have more connected conversations. I don't have the same like stress that I used to have. I'm excited every morning I get up. I love being able to do so many different things. You know, starting a company, you know when we started love scene what was interesting to me is like I was used to you know there was always toilet paper in the bathroom there, there was my computer always turned on and if it didn't it, someone would come and you know the the printer always worked because there were people around making all these things happen and I don't have that anymore and now it's crappy that is really <laughs> un- it's like you know, I remember literally like looking at the printer and being like, wow, OK, now what am I going to do? Like, it did How not does work. this thing How work? do you want to, how are we going to do this? Right. <laughs> like, are you going to cooperate or do I have to call someone? Like, it just was sort of a, an unusual experience for me. But That's it was fun. humbling and great yeah. and also, like, tested me.
1: I really love hearing both about, about both of your careers. You know, you started at J. Crew as an assistant. You were there for 27 years and made it all the way to the top. And that was out of necessity to share what you felt was beautiful with the world and same with love scene eyelash extensions that came out of your own need too what's your best piece of advice for people who want to build careers with impact
0: i mean i think there has to be a purpose or a reason you know the reason i started love scene was because i don't have eyelashes and so i noticed them in anyone speaking of which yours are insane thanks and we have something you feel deficient in, you often notice in other people and so teeth and hair and eyelashes and skin are all They all were woven in there for me. And, you know, I noticed all the women in my office were coming in wearing eyelash extensions. And the flip side of that, those strip lashes, which is what ours technically are, were so over the top. And I couldn't wear any of them. And I was like, there's got to be something in between. And so I think when you are when there is a real need, you are filling a void and you are being of service that is the best way to build something. When it, there has to be a reason, there needs to. You're not. You need to be solving a problem. Just putting more stuff out into the world isn't necessarily. You, if you don't have a reason for being, you don't have a reason for being. And I do think that there is this idea of like, oh, I can just do. I, I jump on the bandwagon. And the fact of the matter is, people see through that. It also is hard because when you're building and making decisions, they aren't. They're not coming from you, mm. and and it makes it your instincts a little wonka a donk when you when you don't have like an internal North Star. And so for me it's it's easier in focus because I have a really clear idea of what I want to accomplish. I'm not trying to be something else. I'm literally just trying to create a product that serves people like me or people who want to have a lighter look and beauty and still want eyelashes. They still want pump, but they don't want overly pumped. And that was the goal, and that's always been the goal. And so it's like I don't, I'm not confused about what I'm doing. and I, I think it can get really hard and people get I've heard millions of designers say, oh, I'm getting feedback from you know our retailer that they want us to make this, that or the other thing. I'm like, if you are guided, if you are too guided, it doesn't mean you don't listen to your customer, but if you are too guided by outside influences, you will lose the plot. It is a dangerous game. So like stick to your guns, do what you want to do, and like have a purpose.
1: Thank you for being on today. It was a pleasure meeting you. So nice to meet you, too.
0: You're very good at this. You are very good at rolling with things and
1: oh, thank and you. not
0: being overly questiony.
1: Ah, I appreciate that. Thanks. I'll no t- oh, my God. Compliment from you, oh, oh, Jenna. Stop. I'll take stop. it.